I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. I'm showing my age a little here, but it was around 2007 that I started to focus solely on digital communications. I joined Twitter in 2009 and in 2011 won my first social media marketing award for a campaign that promoted the History Channel using location-based network Foursquare. At the time, the digital communications arena was served by dedicated media that either no longer exists or has been merged into broader titles. One of those was Reputation Online, a part of the also now defunct New Media Age magazine that covered digital PR and social media. And it was at Reputation Online and through that History Channel campaign that I first met today's guest, Vicky Chowney. Vicky and I have both experienced the developments in digital communications firsthand over the last 14 years or so, and none more so than the last 12 months. We're both of the belief that what's happened in the last year in terms of the way we behave and communicate on the internet has been on the horizon for years, and that now we won't go back. So today we're exploring what that means for marketers and us as individuals. Vicky is someone with a wealth of experience and someone who has gained huge recognition from her peers. She initially trained as a PR professional and worked in tech PR where she started to work in what was then called new media. This was what enabled her to start writing about developments, which is what led to a love of discovering what was happening in the industry. She says she was lucky enough to fall into digital. I just loved the work. I loved the interactivity and their boldness and their their kind of embracing of new technologies and social. And so I I found that fascinating. And at the time, the US was definitely leading the charge on bigger, higher volume tests around things like social And so I found quite quickly that I was able to access new information and new thinking more quickly if I was writing about new developments and and brands that were testing those things rather than the actual work I was able to do in that space. Because of this, she found a move into journalism extremely compelling, as it would give her access to people leading the way. Spells at Reputation Online and then e-consultancy effectively enabled her to teach herself different aspects of digital. All of the crowd of people that I kind of came up with, I think we were all teaching ourselves, um, whether that was through the lens of an agency or, or as a journalist writing about it. And, you know, that was a being part of that community was really valuable because we were sharing a lot. Um, You you know, I I always talk about the old days of Twitter when we used (laughs) to have like actual Twitter meetups and it was this kind of melting pot of people from different backgrounds, from startups to PRs to media um, and even, you know, brands and, and product companies being in that mix. And then slowly as Twitter started to get more popular, you saw those groups kind of fragment off into their own little cliques again. And I really, I miss the old days when we were all, you know, in it together and really sharing like so much, so many learnings. It was a very unique time. Now talking to Vicky reminded me of when I first became involved in Twitter 
And although I didn't really know her at that time, we moved in the same sort of circles. The sense of community and support and the sharing of ideas is something that no longer really exists in the same way. As I said to Vicky, I miss it too. I think it's a shame, actually. But you then went back into agency. So you started off into agency. I did. You went and became a journalist and then back into agency again. But how come the switch back? <laughs> I, yeah, I came full circle. Um, you know, I, I loved my time writing and I was at, you know, Reputation Online was owned by New Media Age, which is very reflective of the t- timeline of when that yeah. magazine was, was built. Um, and I did lots of stuff with people like Contagious and Marketing Week and eventually Consultancy. And I adored it. But the, the temptation to then start applying what I'd learned with brands over here in the UK, because in that period where I was writing, the UK and Europe started to become braver, put more budgets into um, digital and evolving channels. And the temptation to apply that thinking was just too much for me to resist, to be honest. And in fact, the agency that I ended up going into was a full service creative agency who had some social work on on their portfolio, some fantastic social work with links, um, but they wanted to grow that. And I love things when they're in that phase. It's my favorite. It's my favorite mm-hmm. phase when you're growing and working out how to fix a, a problem and set something up. So I I found it too much of an interesting um, challenge to to turn away from. In early 2019, Vicky moved to America with Highland Knowlton Strategies as it rolled out a hub strategy. She'd been based in London for three and a half years, and with New York being the next hub that needed attention, Vicky was invited to help lead the growth of innovation and business. She says it's been very challenging, but a fantastic process to be involved in, and she's now responsible for content production out of New York. I asked her how she feels content has changed in the last 12 months since the start of the pandemic, and whether this is in a lasting manner. I do think the way that we produce and plan content has changed quite dramatically. And I, and for me, it's kind of a breath of fresh air because for, for many a year, I've been trying to encourage people um, to recognise and reflect how um, our audiences are producing content. and mm-hmm. And when you look at the quality that is now um, able to be produced by people just using phones or setting up home studios, largely on their own, um, working with a collective of people that they know to produce something beautiful. That type of content is, is the future. And because it's produced by the the people who we want to talk to um, mm. and the people who are passionate about the topics that we that our brands and clients are interested in. And for years, I've, I've tried to talk about the, the potential there. And now, all of a sudden, you know, we're in a world in which we have to remotely direct shoots or we have to produce something very quickly in order for it to be um, relevant. Or we need to think about the way in which we send kit to someone to self-direct and self-shoot. And what yeah. that produces is content that feels more authentic and it's a little bit more raw and it's a little bit more it's, it's not necessarily lower in quality but it's just not you know a million dollar ad that's you know required yeah. 
18 months of yeah. planning. And I think that will definitely stay. I think the ability to now use that not only to create content that doesn't have to feel so premium and polished is one thing, but then also it's kind of opened up this really interesting exec and C-suite level space in terms of um, a lot of our clients coming to us and saying, I no longer have the ability to host a town hall with my employees. I really want to connect with them. How can I do it? So, you know, the idea of us, um, you know, guiding them through shoots creates this more empathetic style of content, which I also think is going to be here to stay. And then I think the the third thing, which happily I think we're going to, we're going to see continuing is just more of an emphasis on the right types of influencers mm-hmm. and doing that genuinely based around shared values. So it's always been, you know, something that we at H&K have, have believed is the way to negotiate around an influencer relationship is find the shared value, find how you can co-create together, and that's where you create magic. And I yeah. think what we're seeing now was, you know, there was this vast drop-off of sponsored content, you know, in Q2, Q3 of last year, because influencers were all of a sudden very much more aware of the platform that they had, and they started to use it for good. And now we see them actively trying to continue that that process in terms of how they want to work with brands. And I think one of the things you're you're kind of talking around there maybe is is the way that that marketing and communications has maybe changed away from advertising and i'm not putting down advertising here because there's definitely a role for advertising there's a role for paid media even paid social media but what you're talking about is building relationships based on kind of what's going on in the world what's actually happening rather than just broadcasting content and listening to to the pulse of what's happening i did some work with mcdonald's here in the uk um, last year um, after lockdown because their strategy just needed to change on social towards listening, mm. understanding the context of what people were thinking and saying and doing and reflecting their social media strategy in there. I, I think, would you agree with that? You know, I, t- I talk a lot with my teams about uh, what we have a right to to talk about and, and the content that we create has to reflect that, but also just genuinely trying to be more aware of what's happening in the world. And, you know, that's, that's nothing new, but it does, you know, there is just a greater emphasis on needing to be, you know, either genuinely educating around a topic or entertaining. That's how we're creating value right now. And in order to do those two things, you have to be sensible and sense check what's what people are talking about. Um, how they're going to perceive you as that company talking about those things and whether it's genuinely valuable valuable to them. And you can be valuable in either one of those two ways. Do you think that the way the social media platforms present themselves has changed in the last year? And, And what I'm thinking about specifically is in terms of, I, for example, have always, always tried to push clients towards think about the channel in terms of, for example, Twitter is brilliant for listening and and getting involved in conversations that other people have started, whereas 
Facebook is better for publishing content and then engaging on that. Do you think we're starting to now be a bit more clued up about how we're using this stuff? Or do you still see people just blasting out the same content across, you know, numerous different channels? Um, I, I do, but I think that there's more of a, a desire and a hunger to define proper channel roles, which is music to my ears. Yep. You know, it's there's there are smarter questions being asked by our clients, which for okay. for me and the team is is really heartening because it means that they are not wanting to do a kind of scattergun spray of the same thing. They're genuinely thinking about how our audiences are using each platform and then what's the role for them to be either educational or entertaining within that role. Do you think that's come about as a result of the pandemic or is it just uh, something that's been evolving for a while? I, I think it's just the natural maturity of the of the space. I don't think the pandemic has impacted that a lot. I think there has been more emphasis on us doing using social channels because of the fact that a lot of the things we would have done pre-pandemic we now can't do and haven't been able to do for a long time so budgets have increased emphasis has increased and there's what i'm seeing is a lot of consolidation from lots of our clients in terms of the guardianship of multiple brand accounts um particularly with the within the larger groups because i think that sense of safety and reputation management is now so front of mind for most people Mm that actually we're, we're having bigger conversations as a PR agency just because that's part of our DNA. And that bigger conversations piece, this is a, a discussion that I've had with several people recently, is whether PR's role has matured in the last 12 months or whether actually it's become under threat. I'm I'm assuming you're very much on the former of those, those sides of the argument. Yes, because I, you know, I'm biased, but I, I love, <laughs> I love the fact that we we use a depth and breadth model because it means that we have deep sector expertise, and then we have very specialist um, teams who provide things like creative strategy and issues and crisis, and it's the blend of those two things that makes for very powerful integrated teams. But I think we've certainly seen an uplift in both of those asks, um, both from a reputation issues and crisis perspective, but then also from a innovation and creativity perspective. And that, that's been really exciting for me because it means that we are applying creative thinking to lots of different challenges, not just the classic brief that you would see come to a PR agency. It's also about um, policy and it's also about advertising and it's it's really diverse actually in terms of the work that we're doing at the moment and that's because we lead with an earned first mentality it's about being the guardians of a relationship whether that's with media or influencers or your consumers and I think that's why we're in a very strong position at the moment. And do you find people in your agency that the people you work with and who work for you do you find that they are increasingly committed to tackling that that broader work, that broader piece that is that you're describing? Yeah, 
Yes. I mean, the nature of my team is that I, I don't hire people from a PR background. So right. they come into the business already thinking about that broader type of work. But when I think about our sector teams, I think they see, they, they get really excited about the fact that we're doing broader work at the moment because that strengthens our position as strategic consultants and partners. And really, no matter what agency type you work in, that's what you're aiming for, to be a strategic partner. Yep. So I definitely see, feel excitement on that side. One of the questions I'm asked most often when I run training sessions on social media marketing is how best to publish, monitor and analyse social profiles. Without the right software, it's a time-consuming job, especially when we're all doing so many other things as part of our job roles. About 10 years ago, I discovered Agorapulse, an all-in-one solution to social media management, and I've used it and recommended it to clients ever since. So I'm delighted to offer listeners of Digital Download a one-month trial of Agorapulse for free. Head to agorapulse.com forward slash digital download to sign up and then revel in all that spare time you just created. If I go back, say, uh, to the start of last year, before everything changed, I, I was feeling a lot of nervousness still in the PR sector, in the UK this is obviously, about not really getting to grips with digital technology properly. But that I think things have changed on that front and because we've had to change them. Yeah. How have you coped with all the different technologies that we've been kind of forced to use over the last year? So even if you look at video conferencing, you you know, you, you, you might be on a Zoom call or a Teams call or a Google Meet or mm. it, it seems endless, the choices at the moment. It's quite bewildering and quite frustrating that you have to log in and in, in different platforms. How have you managed to cope with this? I mean, I feel I feel quite lucky actually because we um, we as WPP we are Microsoft driven largely, and so right. Teams is is the go to platform of choice. And actually, I find that the majority of calls that we're setting up with clients, we're the ones setting them up. So, like almost ninety five percent of my calls are on Teams, which means that it's at least reduced that option down to one and then I'll have like the odd zoom with specific clients that prefer that platform but what we have started to do from kind of January onwards is just try and create better space around the technology that we use so we don't have internal meetings on a Wednesday afternoon anymore that's thinking time for people to get work done we we've dialed down the requirement to be on video all the time because it's just exhausting and we need to make sure that people uh, feel comfortable to be doing the things in their day-to-day life that they might need to be doing while they're on a call you know you might just need to pop out and get something and therefore you just listen in the same way that we used to we used to do phone calls Mm. Um, so there's that. And then, you know, just things like not, not doing a meeting without an agenda, doing 25 minutes instead of 30. So you can prep for your next call, mm-hmm. all those kind of things that, that we are now modeling are having a real impact in people's ability to not feel completely drained by the amount of time they're spending on tech. Um, and I think that's been really helpful to just set, you know, just three or four key things um, and but do them consistently rather than bombarding people with like 25 different things they can do to try and 
you know, break free from that that constant sense of being on Zoom. And how have you found your teams have adapted to switching off or or not switching off? Because again, all, all the working from home, I, I'm used to it. I've worked from home for a long time years and years now so it's it's something that's second nature but I know a lot of people have struggled with feeling like they have to be always on even if it's I don't know checking slack in the evenings or anything how how have your teams adapted to that I definitely feel like at the end of last year we were all pretty much drained by the year the one thing that we've we've all been really trying to encourage is for people to take time off which I know sounds sounds a bit crazy because of course everyone wants to take their PTO but I think when um, when you're working from home there's a sense of well what am I going to do I'm just going to stay in the house but yeah. actually even just the headspace of of not having to to open your computer and do work stuff I think is break enough um, and I have found that people are taking it and I'm trying to model that as well right so that they see me taking PTO and then they feel comfortable to do it as well and we're all just being mega considerate of one another you know no super early calls unless we need to cross time zones and people trying to log off at a reasonable time in the evening has made an impact and you know I've never been about presenteeism I don't need people to be available from nine till six and you know if they're not then they're not doing their job so just encouraging people to work flexibly to a timetable that makes sense for them is also something that we're asking people to think about because some people just work better you know late afternoon evening yeah and if if they if they want to do that and and that is helping them from a mental health perspective I'm all for it which is a really progressive way to think about it actually because Again, it comes it comes down to the changes that we've seen, and and well, I mean, I personally, I think are here to stay, but that whole thing of working when you work best, it doesn't matter if if I want to work at I don't know ten o'clock at night because that's the best time that I work. As long as I get my work done, and I don't feel that I've therefore got to be online at eight o'clock in the morning. Personally, I have no problem with that. But then, you know, I, I can say that because I'm a consultant. But do you see that sort of thing in the agency, or is that too far removed from real life no I think we are definitely seeing that um, within the agency you know we have a real mixture of people from different backgrounds and you there will always be some people who want to run their teams in a more traditional sense yeah. but the pandemic has really modernized that thinking and you know there'll still be some kind of follow-ons from how stuff used to be with some people but largely I think people have just accepted that this is our new normal and we have to allow each individual to deal with the impact of working remotely for what over a year now um, in different ways so happily I'm seeing that move in different paces of course from team to team um, but largely modernized pretty heavily. Vicky clearly has an extremely positive and understanding attitude towards the transformation that's occurred in the last 12 months. But I was also interested in her views of what she sees on the horizon when it comes to communications technology and the way we're doing our jobs. I think the blend of um, social and commerce is going to come knocking on our door this year. I think it already has, but 
as more influencer activity comes to comms agencies and businesses, clients are going to start expecting us to be able to track sales based on the back of that. Because if they go to a digital agency, that will be embedded into the work. Um, And while if you looked at the influencer mix, some of the relationships that we build for our clients are rooted in more kind of brand oriented awareness, reputation improving metrics. But a lot, a lot more of it is going to be based on whether we can drive sales. So I think social commerce is going to come our way. Mm-hmm. I think as it has been for a long time, but is going to become a reality, the idea of looking at content performance and genuinely embedding that in our planning process is something that we've got to get in front of. You know, the ability to genuinely look at how content is performing, why people read what they read and what helps them, what makes them come back is something we've been able to do for 10 years now. But still, how I think a lot of the industry approaches that is to apply really good editorial strategy, which is fantastic and you should do that. But then you need to layer in that sense of data and and looking at how each piece is playing. And then I think virtual events. So I think if if we consider a launch strategy that we may have built for a client, you know, this time last year, it may have looked very different to how it's going to look in a couple of years. Do we need to do a launch event? Is it going to be in real life or is it going to be virtual? Will it be, you know, confined to a group of VIPs or do we want to make it about launching to a bigger audience? And I think interesting use of technology to make virtual events feel like it's not just a live stream um, is going to be an interesting space. And it's it's one that we're spending quite a lot of time looking at. What is the one bit of advice you would give to people to stay on top of the changes that are happening at the moment are going to continue to change? How do you stay on top of things? I blend what my clients are telling me with what my network is talking about. And what I mean by that is, so when I think about our planning our global vision for the year, how we run the teams is based on what our clients are asking us for and what they're asking us to plan for for the next 12 months, which means that it's rooted in reality. It's rooted in what they really need help with right now. Um, But then I balance that with testing and experimenting about the smart people that I know and trust and what they're talking about and interesting kind of trends that I'm seeing come about. And so it's a balance of things that I know will be commercially viable because our clients are are paying for it with really good experiments around things that could bring something new to the table. And I think having that balance is really important because it means that you're not you know, only being rooted in what you're being asked for, which can be quite a reactive way to run a team or or only doing innovation, which is quite risky. So I think getting the balance right there is important. You can chat to Vicky by following her on LinkedIn or Twitter. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.